And my mom said, coming up here, are you, are you making Reggie bilingual? I said, Mama, that's the spirit of God. I, I didn't do that to him. He's, I love, I love when we get to come and worship and we just weave between languages and we know our God understands every bit of it and he receives it as praise. Man, we have such a phenomenal church that we get to be a part of. God is just, he is in this place doing something that I can't even explain. And I, I love, I, I cannot tell you the honor it is for me to get to be the pastor of this church, to serve you guys as a pastor of this church. I've been here, I can't believe it. it's been 16 years since I've been here, and by God's grace, I've been able to be uh, in the role of shepherding you guys for the last five years, and almost every day, I rejoice in it, almost every day. It is, it, is, it is one of the greatest delights of my life to get to serve in this capacity. But if I were being honest with you, every once in a while, there are times when if if I could, I might choose another profession. The times when the car salesman job looks really, really good. Not often, but there, there are moments every once in a while when it just, if, if I'm not careful, that little thought slips into my mind, maybe I, maybe I could just slip away and do something else. Because it gets a little too heavy sometimes to lead the congregation. And, and I'm not, I don't mean like, I, I, I get every once in a while anonymous letters in the mail and they're never good. Uh, I get emails from people I've never heard of, don't really come to our church, and heard an online service one time and really didn't like what I had to say, and they wanted to tell me they didn't like what I had to say. I get that from time to time. Not often, every once in a while. But that's, that's not really what makes, I have pretty thick skin. That doesn't make me want to walk away. It's not the financial pressure. God is, there's so much generosity in this church. And yeah, we pray and God provides. And sometimes it comes at just the right moment, the lick of time. But God has shown himself to be faithful. That's not, that's not what gets me. It's, it's a busy job. There's a lot going on. It's not the busyness of the job that gets me. It's not even trying to keep up with the thousands of people who call Fielder their church home. And now you know, we have both an in-person and an online congregation. So it's gotten even bigger. And yeah, it's, it's a lot to shepherd for sure. But that's not what overwhelms me to the point where I, I might want to walk away. The, the moments that get me the most or when I stop and I think about the vision that God is asking me to lead you guys into and to know the risk that I'm inviting you into when you take part of this vision. That's what causes me to lose sleep. When, when the heaviness of what I'm inviting you to be a part of gets so strong and I feel like I don't want to bear it anymore, that's, that's, that's when I might want to walk away and do something else. Part of our vision, as you may know, as you saw on the video, is to send 1,400 of our people out to the ends of the earth. That, you look around the room, I'm, I'm talking about you guys. You, you, there's people sitting next to you right now that won't be here in a few years because we're gonna, you're going to be on this stage prayed over and commissioned and sent out to expand the mission of God in other parts of this country and this world. Praise God for it. But we believe that 100 of those are going to go to the ends of the earth into some of the most dangerous and least receptive regions of the world. That's what our vision calls us to. Places that don't really want the gospel to come into those countries where it's dangerous to take the gospel there. And what, what gets me is that we commission people and we send them, and I know there are, there's going to come a moment when we're going to send them out and they are not going to come home because they're going to give their lives on the field. You, you do realize we send missionaries out and they don't come back from time to time, right? You, you know that happens, don't you? 
my, my wife and I, 22 years ago, we, we weren't married at the time. We were two singles going to the mission field through the journeyman program. And, and we trained that year with hundreds of other journeyman missionaries. And a whole bunch of us went out that year. And two years later, when we got back, we had a debriefing moment where we gathered together with these people. And there was, there was one young lady conspicuously missing because she had died on the mission field. She was in a, a foreign country and she was crossing the street, was hit by a bus and died. Lost her life on the mission field. She was sent, didn't come home. Even worse than that, there was another couple. We knew the wife better, but they had, like our story, they had met on the mission field. They came back, they fell in love, did seminary, got married, and just a few months after getting married, they went back to the mission field together. Two people who were called to the same mission field to take the gospel to the Arab world. They were in Iraq, and they had been married just for a few months, and they were on a, a tour in this new part of Iraq with another missionary couple and another single lady who was on the field. And they were traveling around in a van trying to provide water purification for an area that needed it. And their van was attacked. And it was shot with machine gun fire. Some grenades were launched at it. And that day, four of the five were martyred on the mission field. The only one to return was the wife who had recently married her husband, and she came back. Two days later, she woke up in Dallas, had no clue she was back in the United States of America, and she had to be delivered the, the news that her husband and everyone else she was with was dead. She was covered in shrapnel, and she had been shot multiple times. And she realized that there are people who go to the field and take the gospel, and they don't come back. Or if they do, their lives are wrecked when they do. So I, I, just, I just need you to know there's, I, I see this. We, we know people who've left and didn't come back. And I stand in front of you, and there are times where I'm asking you to go to some of the, the most dangerous, least receptive regions of the world. I'm inviting you to go to places where you may not come back. And I just have this image every once in a while of a parent whose child went to the field and didn't come back, and they're going to come, and they're going to point their finger at me and say, you did this to my child. You're the one that extended the call, and they're not here anymore. And I'm going to have to look him in the face and say, I know. Because I can't deny it. And if I were being really honest with you, sometimes I'm afraid that person's going to be my wife. Point at me. This is the time I want to walk away. When it gets a little too heavy to bear this burden. And then in my low moments, the Lord says to me, Jason, they're not going to the field because you're calling them. They're going to the field because I'm calling them. And the Lord reminds me that there are men and women in this congregation who know the risk and still say, here I am. Even so, Lord, send me. And I praise God for it. It's the only thing that keeps me going is to know that God is raising up people who are brave enough to abandon everything for the God who abandoned everything for them. And I believe that among our ranks today in this room and in this church, there are modern-day Apostle Pauls. And I'm praying there would be more and more. And as heavy as it is on my heart to send people not knowing what's going to happen, it's heavier to let people die and go to hell without the good news of the gospel and for us to sit back comfortably and do nothing about it. So this morning... I pray in the middle of the wait that God would raise up more of you who would have the heart of the Apostle Paul, who would wage war in your minds and in your hearts 
who would count the costs and even so say, here I am, God. I may not make it back, but here I am, send me. So today I want to give you the heart of the Apostle Paul and pray that you would ask the Lord, is he calling me to this field, into this journey? We're going to look at the book of Acts. I want you to open up, if you will, to the book of Acts, chapter 20. While you're finding the book of Acts, chapter 20, let me go ahead and tell you, we're going to jump into the middle of a conversation that the Apostle Paul is having with some Ephesian elders. So, so here's the scenario. You have Paul. He's on his third missionary journey. So if you know about Paul, he traveled the ancient world multiple times, starting churches, sharing the gospel. And in this particular one, he's on his third and final journey. He's heading down to Jerusalem. And he knows it's going to be dangerous because here's a preacher of the gospel going to the very place where the Savior, the Messiah, was murdered. He's going to go down there. He knows there's danger. But he wants to stop and talk to some leaders. So he's in Asia Minor in a city called Miletus. It's a little bit south of the city of Ephesus. And so he calls these Ephesian leaders, and Paul had done the majority of his ministry, or the, the longest tenure of his ministry, in the city of Ephesus. And so he knew these elders well. He wants to call them and encourage them and challenge them. And so we're jumping into the middle of this meeting in Miletus that Paul has with the Ephesian elders. L listen to what he says to them. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 22. It says, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So he says, I I'm going, I'm heading off to Jerusalem, and I don't know what's going to happen, I just know it's going to hurt. I just know it's going to be hard. He says, I, I, I can't help it though, I'm constrained by the Spirit. Now, I actually, I mean, I, my mind blew up as I really dug into that word because of the, the nature of what he's talking about when he says constrained by the Spirit. In Greek, that word means to be bound to or chained to the Spirit. It's as if the Apostle Paul is saying, I am handcuffed to the Holy Spirit, and I can't help it. The Holy Spirit is going to Jerusalem, so I'm going to Jerusalem too. He's just dragging me along with him. I, I don't think this is the way many of us view the Holy Spirit of God. We just had a Holy Spirit sermon series. If you didn't have a chance to listen to it, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to it. But this, this idea that we are not in control of the Spirit. Too many of us think of the Spirit as our wingman. Like, I'm, I'm going over here, Spirit, come with me. That's not the way the Apostle Paul looked at it. He knew he was the Holy Spirit's wingman. He was chained. He was handcuffed to the Spirit. He wasn't telling the Spirit, come with me. The Spirit was going. He goes, oh, I guess I'm going with you because I'm handcuffed to the Spirit of God. I love this idea because I think that if there were more Christians who would live their lives this way, handcuffed to the Spirit of God, wherever the Spirit's going, that's where I'm going. I think we would see the same miracles that the Apostle Paul saw in the book of Acts. So here he is, handcuffed to the Spirit of God, heading towards Jerusalem. He has no clue what's going to happen except that it's really going to hurt. Well, if you flip over to chapter 21, he gets more detail on exactly what's going to happen to him. Chapter 21 of the book of Acts, verses 10 and 11. Listen, listen to what happens here. Now, while he's going there, by the way, he's in the city of Caesarea by the sea. He's getting closer to Jerusalem. In verse 10, he says, while we, were staying for, while, yeah, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So now for the first time, the apostle Paul knows what's going to happen to him. He is going to be tied up like an animal, chained hands and feet. He's going to be mistreated. He's going to be beaten up. He's going to be bound. He's going to be thrown in jail. That's what awaits him when he goes to Jerusalem. 
and yet he still went. I'm afraid afraid this happens to us when we we read the scriptures, we we divorce ourselves from the emotion of what was going on in in a person's heart. Because we know that Paul still went anyway, and we're like, okay, golf clap, Paul, way to go. And we don't think about how crazy that is. So I, I, want you to, I want you to put yourself in Paul's shoes for a second. So let's just imagine you have that missions catalog and you're looking over it and you see there's a mission trip to, I don't know, Moldova or something. You're like, you know what, I mean, I've, I've always wanted to see God move in a different country. So I signed up for the Moldova mission trip. And you go to a training meeting, things are going along. And then all of a sudden you have a dream. And in that dream, you feel it's like the Holy Spirit talking to you. And he says, you're going to go to Moldova, but there's going to be an uprising. The military is going to come against you. They're going to attack your team. And they're going to beat you up and they're going to tie you up and throw you into a prison. When that week's over, you're not going to come home. You're going to be stuck in a prison in Moldova with no way out. So you wake up from the dream, you're going, holy cow, man, I don't know what that was about. I feel a little shaky. And then the next Sunday morning, you're walking through the church and someone you know well walks up to you and says, man, the Holy Spirit, I was praying this morning, the Holy Spirit just told me that you're going on a mission trip to Moldova and that there's going to be an uprising, and that there's going to be an army that's going to come against you, and they're going to attack you, and they're going to tie you up, and they're going to throw you in prison, and you're not going to make it back. So now you had a dream, and now you have a confirmation from somebody else, and now you're feeling really afraid. This is exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit tells him. Now Agabus, a prophet, confirms it. Now I've got a question for you. If that happened to you, you had that dream, and then you had that person in the church hallway who says to you, this is what's going to happen when you go to Moldova, would you still go? Because I don't know if a lot of us in this room or watching online will still decide we would go. Seems a little risky to do something like that. And yet the Apostle Paul, going to that very same scenario, decided he was still going to go. And I think the question we got to wrestle with is why? Why in the world would the Apostle Paul, knowing what's going to happen to him, why would he still decide, I'm going to go? The answer was back in chapter 20. So we read verses 22 and 23 about he was chained to the Spirit and he was going to go, not knowing he was going to await him. But he tells us in verse 24 why he was still willing to go. Let me read that verse for you. He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He says, I don't don't consider my life is so precious that I'm not willing to give it up. The only thing I want to do is to finish the ministry that God called me to on that road to Damascus when he saved me from my sin. To testify to the whole world about the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't consider my life as precious to myself, he says. And I think that right there is a reason why many of us wouldn't go. Because we consider our lives as precious to ourselves. I don't don't think we would ever admit this to anybody else. But I think there are plenty of times when we consider our lives as precious. We just, we love our life. We we love our family. We we love our careers. We're trying to build it up. And Mission Field may disrupt that. And we, we, we love our conveniences. We, we love this country we live in. We, we love our homes. We love our possessions. We love our children. We love what we have going on right here. We consider our life as precious. And anything that might jeopardize that, we run away from. Why? Because we esteem our lives as way too precious. And yet the Apostle Paul had the means of not esteeming his life as precious to the point where he was willing to give up anything for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
See, apparently the Apostle Paul knew something that you and I struggle with. He knew that in light of eternity, the best of this world pales in comparison. That what he would gain by following Christ would be absolutely worth it. And therefore he was willing to give everything up for it. In fact, you don't have to just surmise that or assume that. He, he tells us that. There's just a uniqueness about the Apostle Paul, one of the only people in the whole ancient world that we get to know his heart so well because he wrote so many letters detailing how he was feeling. So I want you to keep your place in Acts 20. I want you to flip over to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. If you are here with us in the springtime, we went through the book of Philippians chapter by chapter, verse by verse, just walking through that book. And what we saw over and over again was just how much he spoke about his willingness to give up everything. So in chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, listen to how he he frames his perspective. Listen to his heart. In verse 20, he says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the way he lived his life. He says, I just want to not be ashamed. I want to honor the Lord whether I live and serve him or whether I die and serve him because it doesn't matter which one takes place in my life. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Notice he didn't say to die is forfeiting or ending. He says it's gain to me. What this shows us is that Paul was not a glutton for punishment. He, he didn't want to die just because death seemed pleasant to him. He, he didn't like hurting. What he liked was Christ. What he wanted was Christ. Christ was his vision and his goal. And whatever he had to do to get more of Christ, that's what he was going to be willing to do. And if death meant more of Christ, he said, I willingly receive it. In fact, if you look over in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, one of the clearest descriptions of Paul's value system. And I pray this would one day become ours. Philippians 3, 7 says this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He says, my my goal isn't loss. My goal is gain. I want to gain Christ. And if I have to give up everything and I may know Christ more, be in a deeper relationship with him, I count it joy. I give it all up because I want Christ. When Christ is your goal, then you'll give up anything to have him. And that means even going to some of the darkest, most dangerous, least receptive regions of the world, saying, here I am, God, send me. And we might actually discover that when everything else is stripped away, our family, our friends, our life, our home, and we go to a different place to bear the gospel, we might find more of Christ. And we're missing him because our life is too precious to ourselves. And I think God is saying, would some of you, would some of you begin to love Jesus Christ so much that you'd be willing to abandon everything to say, I'll go to the ends of the earth because I want more of Christ. I want that kind of gain, a gain that lasts for all eternity. And parents, let me tell you how cruel it is for us when our children come up to us and say, I believe God has sent me to the end of the earth. And we say, no, you shouldn't go. Because we count our children as too precious to release them to the cause of Christ. 
If we really believe this stuff is true as parents, and that our children, if they get wildly passionate for the Lord and they want to go to the ends of the earth and they'll gain Christ for all eternity, why in the world would we stand in the way of them wanting to go to the ends of the earth? How cruel would we have to be to stand in between them and say, no, I don't want them to go? I mean, if we really believe it to be true, wouldn't we send them? Maybe the question is, do we really believe it's true? Here's what I know about the Apostle Paul. He believed it was true with every fiber of his being. So much so that he actually got angry when people tried to stand in the way to keep him from going where the Spirit was calling him to go. I want you to flip back to Acts 21. I want you to hear this because it is profound what he says. So you have now Agabus coming up and chaining himself and saying this is what's going to happen to Paul when he goes. And then, of course, his friends say, no, no, you shouldn't go then. And listen to his response. Acts chapter 21, verses 12 and 13. It says, when we heard this, we and the people then there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He's looking at his friends going, what kind of friends are you? Why are you trying to tell me not to go to the very place the Spirit is telling me to go? I'm chained to him, Remember? He's telling me to go. Why are, you, why are you weeping? Why are you breaking my heart? And I think for some of us, and parents, I just want to talk to you just for a moment. I think there's some of us. One day we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and God was trying to send our kids to the mission field, and we're going, that's no, just youthful passion. They just haven't counted the cost yet. They don't understand the risks and the dangers. And so i got to protect them because our whole life has been about protecting our children. If you're a parent, you have children. Your whole life is don't go run out in the street. You're going to get hurt. Don't put your hand on the stove. You're going to get hurt. Don't, in, don't enter that relationship. That's a bad relationship. You're going to get hurt. We want to protect them over and over, and we, we begin to believe that our job is to protect them from everything. And we might unwittingly stand in the way and actually protect them from their greatest gift, which is Jesus. And one day we stand before the Lord, and he says, how could you stand in the way? Why did you break their hearts and keep them from going? For parents, he's saying we need to release them. If God is calling us, we need to be willing to say, yes, Lord. In fact, the only right answer is the answer that the people finally gave in verse 14 of chapter 21. So here they are, and Paul's saying, why are you breaking my heart? Why are you trying to keep me from going? And when they finally realized they were not going to convince Paul not to go, listen to what they said in verse 14. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. That's the answer right there. Let the will of the Lord be done. Not my will, not your will, not our will. Let the will of the Lord be done. And if God is calling our children to get up and go, let the will of the Lord be done. If God is calling us to uproot our family, abandon everything and go, let the will of the Lord be done. And let me tell you what I know. I know the will of the Lord is that there are more of you in this room that he is calling to get up and to go. There are more of you watching online right now, and you don't even realize it, but God is calling you to get up and to go. And he's saying to us, would we be willing to say yes? This year in our church, we will have commissioned three young ladies, three single young ladies who have decided to go to places where there is very little to no access of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Places that don't want the gospel, that fight against the gospel coming. 
To which you may go, well, why, why are we going then? Well, I mean, why would we go if they don't want the gospel, if it's dangerous? And the reason why is what I said earlier. There are people who are going to be born, they're going to live their whole life, and they're going to die, and they're never going to hear the name of Jesus uttered. And these three young ladies have said, I'm not okay with that. In fact, one of them, we can't share her story or her name because the country she's in is, is closed and dangerous, but she shared with us in an interview that she just realized one day that if she doesn't go, there are going to be people who die and go to hell, and she cannot sleep at night knowing that if she does nothing about it. So she said, here I am, send me. And we got to commission her in this service earlier in the year and send her out. We've done the same with two other young ladies. People who said, I do not regard my life as precious to the point that I'm not willing to go and give it up because I consider him more precious than what I have here on this earth. Now, I, we couldn't share with you all three of the young lady stories, like I said, for safety reasons, but there was one young lady we were able to share her story with you. Her name is Danielle. Many of you know Danielle. We were able to do an interview where I asked her the question, Danielle, you, you know the risks. You know how dangerous this is. Why are you willing to go? And I don't want you to hear my answer. I want you to hear her give an answer. So watch this video. Listen to her story. So God has called you to go to an exceptionally dangerous place. And you're, you're going to go and you, you really have no guarantees. I've got five daughters. Um, you're, you're not that much older than my eldest. And so there's a weight to that that I feel. And I'm sure you feel it going on. I don't know if I'm coming back. I don't know what's going to happen. But God, I'm going. Because you're, you're thinking about your own life and the risks. Why? Why are you willing to take these risks? I know God is sovereign and um, and he's in control of every little thing. I don't fear um, what could happen, What even if it's death. Um, I know that even if I lose my life um, here, that I will gain it in heaven with him. Uh, Paul talks about in Philippians that um, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This life is so short that I'm willing to risk um, for the gospel. I'm willing to risk for um, what God has called me to do because I know that he's going to be with me till the end of the age, even if that means not here, um, but in heaven. It's worth it for Christ who's done so much for us, who's died for us. Like that's nothing. Yeah, it's worth it for the sake of the gospel because um, there's so many people out there that don't know the gospel, don't know Jesus. Um, the country where I'm going to, there's only a little bit over 10% of who are Christians. And um, I just think it's so important. Um, and we have to set our eyes on eternal things and not, um, not being comfortable because we won't have this life forever. You know, when I was sitting there and I was talking to her, I, just, I was looking at her eyes and I saw, I saw my daughters. And I, I could barely keep it together just talking to her knowing. Now, I want to know, I, today when we started worship, I saw Danielle's mom right here in the room. We just sent her off a couple weeks ago. And her mother said, yeah, I know there's risk. This is my daughter, my only daughter. I know there's risk. But she belongs to the Lord, not to me. And she has a mother who didn't stand in the way, but said, this child is yours, Lord. Use her however you want. What a gift to have people in our congregation who are willing to say, I know the risk. I mean, you heard her. No one forced her to say that. She believes it. I know the risk. I know I may make, might not make it back, but it's okay. I'm willing to take the risk because Jesus is worth it.
Because he died for me, why wouldn't I be willing to die for him? It's a modern day Apostle Paul saying, my life isn't precious to me, only that I may fulfill the ministry that God has called me to. Praise the Lord for these people we are sending out from our congregation who are bearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, taking any risk necessary. But I don't want you to sit back and just be encouraged by their story. Oh, I'm so grateful our church has people like that. I want you to ask, am I supposed to join them? I don't want their story just to encourage you. I want to inspire you to say, even so, knowing the risk, here I am, God. Send me. May your will be done in my life. Because I know there are many of you in this room and God is putting a call upon your life to get up and to go. And you are missing the miracles of Almighty God. There are those of you watching online and you're going to fight and fight until you finally say, Lord, your will be done in my life. God wants you to be willing to exhale the gospel that you have inhaled. That's why we have the shirt that says exhale the gospel. Make sure you understand every bit of what we do is just a response not forced, but because he so loved us, so we take the, the good news and love others in his love in us. And I want to challenge you not to just sweep this aside and say, hey, good sermon, preacher. I want you to ask, Lord, are you calling me? Do you want me to go? I know there are some of you, and you may, you may be watching online, you may be in the room, and maybe you're wondering, like right now, why would anybody be willing to die for their faith? I mean, that sounds so extreme. So over there, why would anybody want to do this? And, and I know there are people, for the people who tune into these services, that it doesn't make sense to live this radically given over to the will of Jesus. I want to make sure you understand why. Every single person who stood on the stage, who's been commissioned and sent out, why they do it. They do it. And they give up their lives because they have a Savior who gave up his life for them. That's the reason why. It is the gospel. And I want to make sure that every single one of you clearly knows why we have sent people and why I believe if you are a person of faith, you should go. The message of the gospel is very simple. It's that God created us, has loved us, breathed life into us, treated us with care and goodness, has never done anything wrong to us. And yet in our own arrogance, we have turned our backs on him and said, no, I can run this life. I don't need you, God. We've decided to do it our way instead of his way, live for our glory instead of his glory, and we've made ourselves enemies of an almighty good God. And because of it, we have brought on his wrath upon us. And we have been destined now for hell because of our own actions, and there's no way we can stop that freight train heading straight to hell. But God himself saw us in our condition and said, I don't want them to go to hell. So he took on flesh and blood for one purpose, so he could live the righteous life we couldn't live and then be the death penalty on the cross for us so that we didn't have to die. And whenever we believe in Jesus Christ, and he really is the son of God who died for us, then we are saved and reconciled back to Almighty God, forgiven of all of our sins and given the gift of eternal life, given a seat at the great banquet table of Almighty God, and we become his own children. That's the message of the gospel. And if we believe that God was willing to do that for us, why wouldn't we be willing to give back to him? So, so here's what I want you to hear. If you've yet to experience the kind of love from God that would make you want to do anything for him, then your starting point is faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe what you need to do today is just simply to say, I want to experience that level of love from you, God. 
that would compel me to want to give up everything for you. Show me your love. Show me who I'm ready to believe in Jesus Christ. Listen, if that's you and you're watching online, the very simple step I'd like to ask you to take to connect with one of our pastors. You just get your phone out if you're watching this on your TV or computer. Text the word next step to 94253. If you're watching this on your phone, you can go straight to your, to your uh, computer and go to filler.org slash next step. A quick form you're going to fill out and one of the pastors will reach out to you within 24 hours. We want to connect with you and help you take the step of faith. But for those of you who are in the room right now, you have an opportunity that those online don't have. And it's going to be to come forward in a moment. I'm going to invite the pastors down front so we can respond. And you can have a chance to come to one of the pastors and say, Today is the day I want to know the love of God. I'm, I'm tired of the life I used to live. I want to come into God's family. I want to be changed. I want to experience this kind of love. I'm ready. So if you're ready to find faith in Jesus Christ, there'll be pastors who are down front ready to talk to you about it. I want you to get ready to come. But before I open that up, I, I want to say something to every single one of you in this room who has declared your faith in Jesus Christ. If you have genuinely believed in the gospel of Jesus, the only right response to Almighty God is, here I am, Lord. You can have every bit of it. We're going to sing a song in a moment that says, I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. Here I am. We are offering ourselves to the King of glory to say, Lord, if you want to send me to a dangerous place where I could risk my life, I give myself away. If you want to just have me take some step of faith, God, my answer is yes. I give myself away. In effect, what you're going to be singing is a declaration to God. I've signed the check. I've put your name on it, God. I've slid it over. You write the amount in. My answer is yes. Whatever comes, my answer is yes to you. It's a position of abandonment. Let me, let me tell you, I was, I was praying about this, and I don't mean to embarrass my son, but I was just thinking about he just, his head just popped up right there as he was... Had his head down. Hope he was praying. <laughs> but I, I had this thought. So if you know my son uh, well, you, I mean, you know he's an exceptionally servant-hearted young man. And he's, he's my bud. We do our Christmas lights together. We've been working on it for hours and hours and hours trying to get the glow up, ready for Christmas. And I, I love that young man so much. We had the privilege of, of having him join our family through adoption 13 years ago. And he's my son. But let me tell you what I know about my son. I believe that young man would die for me. I believe that young man would stand in front and take a bullet for me. You want to know why? Because he knows I would do the same thing for him. Because he knows how much I love him. He knows how I've given myself to him and therefore he loves me back. And I believe that young man would be willing to die for me because he's my child. And I think this is, the, this is the call of Christ. It's not forced. It's that when we know we've been adopted and we have a Father who loves us, we can't help it. We'd be willing to die for His glory. That's the call. Would you be willing to say to the Father, I so believe you love me, God, I'd be willing to do whatever because I love you back, because I get to be your son, I get to be your daughter. I choose you, God. That's what the song means, I give myself away. That's what you're saying to him. Don't give lip service, please. Wrestle with the words of this song. But if you're ready to sing it, then you declare it by faith. In fact, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'd like to invite all of you to stand up. 
Even if you're watching at home, if you'd be willing to stand up, I'd encourage you to do so. And we're going to sing this song, I Give Myself Away. I'd invite the pastors to make their way forward. If you wouldn't mind, just come to the front, spread out around the front. And here's what I want to invite you to do. If today you're saying, I'm ready to give myself to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm ready to find faith in Christ, I want you to find one of the pastors who, who are up here and just let them know. They want to help you know how to take next steps to begin this journey of faith with Jesus Christ. Remember what I told you online. You just text the word next step to 94253. And that way you can get an opportunity to connect with one of us pastors. But I also want to say, if you're in this room, you're already a believer. Maybe you're saying, I, I, need to tell, I need to tell one of the pastors, the Lord's telling me I'm supposed to go. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm saying yes. And you can come find one of the pastors. Maybe you just want to come down to the steps and bow down. As you sing this song as a sign, maybe online you just want to, if you're in your living room, wherever you are, just to bow down to the ground, get on your knees and sing this song to him. But just declare it by faith. So this is open in the front, however you need to minister. Maybe there's nothing about the sermon. Maybe you just came in with a weight and, and you need someone to pray for you because you can't even listen to the message because this thing is going on in your life. We would love to pray for you. No matter what's going on in your life, you just come let us know how we can pray. But let the Lord minister to you right now. And when you are ready to declare the song by faith, sing it. And when the song is over, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. I'll lead us in remembering why we can trust this God. Let's worship. Let's worship.